0: Hi everyone. My name is Ara and my name is Maisha and you're listening to That's What They Said. Where we
1: break down the them versus
0: us narrative. All right. So today's the last episode of the season. We are so excited because you know we really didn't even think we were gonna get to yeah. ten episodes mm-hmm. and let alone have over a thousand listens. Yeah. This has been honestly so fun. It just started out as a random idea, but mm-hmm. you know, we've learned a lot through this process. Not just about podcasting, but so much more about the topics that we've discussed. And it's just been a great, great season. (laughs) And
1: we wanted to just say thank you to everyone who's taken the time to listen to all our episodes. I mean, Zara and I were new to this and we put a lot of effort and time and Mm -hmm. honestly a lot of love into this because we really are passionate about it. Yes. So thank you for taking the time to listen. And
0: yeah. Yeah, it's been great. So, just so wanted to let all the new listeners out there know that we are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Deezer, as well as Podyssey. You can go to the Podyssey app and discuss our episodes if you'd want to. But also, please do feel free to reach out to us by Instagram by DMing us at That's What They Said Podcast, or you can tweet at us at What They Said Ca, or you can email us at That's What They Said Ca at gmail.com. Sorry, that was a mouthful. Okay. <laughs> okay. So today
1: we're. Going to discuss cultural differences that Zara and I we both have come across from our experiences living in two different cultures. Yes. Cause Zara and I were born in Bangladesh and I was raised in uh, Bangladesh, but I moved to Canada when I was eighteen, so I've been here around seven years. And Zara, mm-hmm. uh, she was born in Bangladesh, but she spent a decade in New York, and then she also moved here when she was eighteen to Canada. 19? So, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so between Zara and I, the combined experience of living in Canada would mm-hmm. be 15 years, and if you add New York, that's 25, 25 years.
0: How <laughs> so old are we? <laughs> let's
1: not get into our age.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but yeah, because we've been born and raised in, in, in a culture that's very different than the North American, which is South Asian culture, mm-hmm. and we have grown into adults by living in Canada, and hence North America, we've come across and we've observed differences in between the two cultures that we just wanted to talk about today. And even though in the name of our episode today it says, you know, coffee versus chai, um, it's not about one culture versus another. It's more about just differences that we observed. And, you know, that's why it's, it's more about... North American culture and South Asian culture, mm-hmm. and uh, just di- you know, differences that we observed, and what we kind of feel about these differences, really, yes. and how it's kind of like shaped us in a way. So, yeah, we hope that you enjoyed this episode where we kind of like share our personal experience or just in general mm-hmm. how we've perceived these experiences. Yeah, so jumping right into the biggest question and it's a big debate (laughs) so Zara are you a coffee or chai person
0: you know that's that's a hard question for me because I I do drink both like regularly Mm -hmm. but I definitely would say I'm a chai person but coffee is a big part of my life Mm -hmm. and I think that the reason why we named this episode coffee versus chai is because you know that kind of shows a big cultural difference in yeah. the east and the west mm-hmm. lots of tea lovers out in the east and lots of coffee lovers out here in the west and i think i'm a mix of the both so chai is my go-to i will pick that over anything if i had to but coffee has been ingrained into my routine yeah throughout time so i have to have one cup of coffee in the morning before yeah. i get started for work and then throughout the day i'll have like some black tea, then I'll have some green tea, and, like, it's just a whole day. I'll yeah. just be drinking tea, like, all day, and, yeah. yeah. So, I'm a mix of both, but mostly chai. Okay.
1: Okay. So, see, I am more of a chai person, and just for our listeners, in uh, Bengali, so the language Zara and I speak originally. a mother tongue. Um, Chai is actually called cha, mm-hmm. but uh, since we're speaking in English, it's called chai. So, yeah. So, I'm more of a chai person, but... To be honest, I don't drink caffeine a lot. Mm -hmm. But if I'm at home and watching a movie, or I'm you know watching series, and if I want something hot to drink, it would rather be coffee. Sorry, (laughs) chai versus coffee, and I honestly think chai tastes better. I Um, do too. I think caffeine, sorry, coffee. If I have to take, I would. I think coffee works in the sense that it gives me an instant shot of like energy. Mm it's like espresso shots are brilliant, I think. Yeah. Um, but after it, I do feel like, oh shit, there's like a bit of crash. Okay. So chai feels more smooth and fluid to me. Mm-hmm.
0: And I and fall back on chai. Chai definitely feels yes, homey. Yes, very, yeah.
1: very, very much homey. Yeah, it
0: makes you just feel comfortable and yeah. Yeah,
1: because in South Asia, chai is bigger than coffee. Yes. And technically, the chai latte you get in <laughs> the importance here is not... The chai we have Mm -hmm. in South Asia. Yeah. So, but anyway, that's what we settled for. Yeah, it tastes nothing
0: like... Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Not the chai
1: we have. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's not bad. I do like a chai tea latte occasionally, (laughs) but no. All right. So, let's leave the chai and coffee aside for a bit and let's get serious. There are actually quite a few major differences between the Eastern and Western cultures. And, you know, it's a great thing that these differences exist. Mm -hmm. Everybody has different behavior. They have different likes. They have different... So many things but the three topics that we're going to focus on today the three major differences between the eastern and the western culture or the north american and the south asian culture which is what we're experienced in is going to be employment it's going to be family as well as The most fun thing, weddings. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so the first one that we're going to discuss today is employment. And what we're going to look into is the different aspects of employment that are different in North America as well as South Asia. Mm -hmm. So I think the major difference between the two cultures is how employment or how the different types of jobs are viewed or perceived by people. Mm -hmm. So... Just, um, just from, ex- just from like, experience, I've always, like, growing up, I've always thought that part-time jobs or retail jobs or working in restaurants or working in customer service or service-related jobs, I've always kind of thought of them as a temporary job. Yeah. That growing up, I thought that just because maybe the culture around me that I grew up in kind of made me f- believe that. And what we say in our culture is odd job.
1: Yeah, so, yeah.
0: so a retail job or a service job or just a customer service job, they're often called odd jobs because they're odd and not the normal, what people consider a job. Like so they're no- almost looked down upon.
1: Yeah, normal jobs would be like, you know, literally Doctor. doctors, lawyers, economists, engineers, those would be like yeah. what people would ask you as, or consider yeah. as, like, ooh, like, great jobs. Mm-hmm. Not to say that other jobs like banking and corporates are exactly... Those are still, like, pretty amazing oh, yeah. jobs as well. Basically,
0: but any job that makes you a lot of money...
1: Yeah, and respect. Yeah, money
0: and respect, which, oddly enough, you might think that we're playing into South Asian tropes, but it's still a thing. People still expect you to be yeah. lawyers, doctors, and engineers, right? Mm-hmm. Till this day, I see South Asian people want that from their kids. Yeah. But, yeah, it's unfortunate that... I guess, odd jobs in quotation marks is not considered a real job. But, you know, that's what I kind of uh, like about the North American culture in a way is from just living here, I've seen and living and working in retail, working in restaurants, I've seen people who I work with sustain a family from that job, Mm -hmm. you know, kids. And it's just so commendable that, first of all, these people are great at saving money because, unfortunately, you don't make the most amount of money in this job unless you've been working for a while and you've built your graph right but I love the respect that it's given yeah to workers from different fields whether you're a garbage collector whether you're a bus driver whether you're whatever like you're paid for the work that you have to do I think I, like relatively you're paid well and fairly and you're given the respect and respect is important for something that you have to do every day yeah yeah so
1: and I see the way I see it is a job is a job honestly yeah in the sense that at the end of the day, what it comes to is your work ethic, Mm -hmm. your ambition, and how hard you're working, Yeah, right? And whether you're being sincere or not. Yeah. So I remember when I was, this was, I think, a couple summers ago, and I was in Kelowna. It's a small town in British Columbia. So I was working in a factory with all these adults. And even though technically the factory job would be considered, honestly, an odd job Mm -hmm. or just not, you know, if I told someone back home, that, you know, I worked in a factory, they'd be like, okay, but like, you know, what do you want to do in life, you know? Mm -hmm. Not that, and I was, that was a summer job for me, but the people I was working with, they were adults, they were amazing human beings, I mean, I learned a lot from that experience about humility uh patience yes. hard work work ethic and yeah. it, it was i learned it right before going to grad school so it really taught me a lot honestly mm-hmm. and i'm glad i worked even though it was a brute it was a difficult experience but yeah. i'm glad yeah, I, I remember did.
0: that time in uh, your life yeah yeah,
1: and so i learned a lot from that and mm-hmm. i think it's imp- in contrast in south asia if you work as a garbage collector if you work as a retail manager or a waitress it, you're not given the same amount of respect no they almost
0: think that you're not educated and that's why you couldn't do better yeah and you know honestly just um being being going to school for engineering i've had many of my classmates be like oh they're just going to end up working at starbucks so anyone who wasn't in the engineering department so it does exist here yeah. but i think it's just a much much bigger problem of looking down on these kind yeah. of jobs back home
1: which no, is I, I yeah think, like because yeah it's not that that perception doesn't exist here. For example, I remember when I was in grad school and, you know, one of my econ profs was like, oh, yeah, you know, like he was saying, I think if you do like a PhD in like some very niche, not in economics, something in the arts or creative arts, something discipline, you're more likely, like research has shown that, you know, I mean, you're more likely to find someone maybe not succeeding. It's harder to succeed in their field. They could be working in Starbucks and stuff. So that perception is here as well. But I think that... That perception is here, but the difference is, I think people here will still equally respect you, whereas back home it kind of creates like sort of like a class system. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Not a caste system, a class system. Yeah, for sure. Where I don't think you know back home rickshaw drivers or garbage collectors or waitresses or people who work in retail, they're not given the same amount of respect. No, definitely not. And they're not
0: compensated fairly either. No,
1: they're not, and that that creates like a, a. a hierarchy sort of. Yeah. And it, that's where, you know, you really mm-hmm. see the inequality and that makes it hard for them to, it's just, it just makes it so much more harder. Whereas yeah. here, people who work in retail or factories, even my coworkers in that factory, you know, they were, as you said, they mm-hmm. were sustaining families and they were balling, okay? Yeah. Like, let's be real, <laughs> they were making a lot of money and, not maybe a lot, but they were happy in yeah. their life, you know? It's not like they were not able they were able to send their kids to school.
0: Yeah. Same so, with, same with taxi drivers. Like I, I remember having a conversation with a taxi driver and he was saying that the flexibility of his work really allows him to to take care of his family, to mm-hmm. pick up his kids from school, and just the ability to just make your own hours as well as the pay is quite well for taxi yeah. drivers here. But yeah. back home, rickshaw drivers, taxi drivers I don't. I You're don't s- even know right? exactly. I mean, not as much, right? Yeah, and because of that, people treat you poorly. Yeah. But you know, in one way, I can understand. Say our parents' point of view. Sometimes they're like, "Oh, you should study being a doctor, being a lawyer, being an engineer," because they think that our future is going to be brighter. So they, yeah. because of that perception, that's there. That
1: that's, yeah, and, that's and so
0: because truth of the matter is, you do make more money as if you if you go into a professional professional field, mm-hmm. right? But doesn't mean that any other job is better or less, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: So, uh, moving on from that, uh, let's talk about workplace culture in South Asia versus North America. Mm-hmm. Um, z- well... Zara and I, we didn't really do full-time jobs in Bangladesh. We did internships, but not full-time jobs. But we do full-time jobs here. Zara is an engineer, as you guys know. I work in consulting. So we, but based on our conversation with our friends back home, who are doing full-time jobs in, you know, Mm -hmm. big companies, we understand that there is a significant difference in the workplace culture between South Asia versus North America in the sense that, Okay, I'll give an example. It's like back home, you have to get to work. Before your boss gets there. Mm -hmm. And you can't leave till your boss leaves. So say for example, your boss is coming in at 10 a.m. So you're going to get there at 9 a.m., right? And your boss, he's your boss. And he could be like a VP or executive or whatever. So he'll probably have longer days than you. Mm -hmm. Or not, depends. But he decides to stay late till like 8 or 9. Whereas you are technically done with your work by 6. But it'll look bad. Exactly. If you leave before the boss. And that really plays And so you stay past 9, you stay till 10, so you wait till your boss leaves, then you leave, and you're exhausted, you're not, Mm. you you know, you're not able to go back and give your family the right amount of time they need, and you don't get proper sleep necessary. So next year, you're not really, I feel like that really, I feel like that really hampers your productivity. Yes, I think so Like your workers are not productive then.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really respect that here, at least at my workplace, you know, we're, we're given like we we are given the opportunity to put other things in life ahead of work. Like work is not our main priority, which I think for many um, South Asians, work is your number one duty. Like work is your god almost, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's your means of providing for your family. So you're and it's so it's like you have to give it your full dedication. And you know it's it's a known fact that South Asians are extremely hardworking people. Oh yes, yeah. So it's like they. They are willing to put in that work, but at the same time, it's not the healthiest, but it's because of that culture that exists. So, yeah, I really appreciate the ability to, say, put my health ahead of my work, my family ahead of my work, and just little things that come up. And, you know, um, I was just telling you today that I have mental health days, I have wellness days, so if Mm -hmm. there's a day that I don't feel just right to Mm -hmm. go to work... I can take a paid day off, right? Yeah. And that's that's something that I think should be implemented everywhere in the world mm-hmm. if it doesn't already exist because it's so important to take care of your health yeah. and working non-stop hours and for a deadline, work as hard as you need to work, get it out. But like every day, and I've talked to many people and they're always at the office till 11 back home and it's sad. Yeah. And, yeah. and
1: I remember, so one of my senior managers at my work, he was, cause I have you know, I was going through a tough time with my health and I remember he was telling me that he ranks his, how he ranks is his mental health, Mm -hmm. physical health, and then his family, friends and work. So he told me that just because you prioritize your health and your family doesn't mean you like your work any less yeah. it's just that you need that balance you mm-hmm. need first and foremost to be healthy yourself yeah so you can give your hundred percent to the people you love and yeah. then to the job you love
0: yeah and, and this is i guess more recent here as well like yes to, to to put your mental health first that stigma around mental health is just is just slowly leaving now mm-hmm. in, in even North America. Yeah. So now we're able to like request that time off. Companies take it more seriously when you need that time off or when you need to just balance your life better. So I'm hoping that wave will mm-hmm. will head the other way as well. But
1: I mean, if you really think about it, I mean, if I you know, as you said, that that wave has just sort of arrived here. Mm-hmm. The difference is that say I would say in North America safe Five steps ahead of South Asia, but you're still in still c- in cities like you know New York uh, for example, people still work like sixty seventy hours a week like I have my one of my best friends in uh, from childhood best friends she works in New York City in consulting and she, she works seventy hours a week and that's crazy yeah. right and it's kind of like if you kind of take personal time off, which is annual leave yeah oh like sh- sh- you're taking time off so it's not looked at great way yeah. So if you kind of dis or if not dis if you kind of take a break from work mm-hmm. it's kind of like takes everyone perceives that you don't take your work seriously. Yeah. So there are those so that's as i said North America is just five steps ahead. Yeah, not, it's not like fully changed. Exactly. And i think in South Asia we have change coming but change is slow
0: yeah and there are a few say new startups or new businesses and they're building a different workplace culture for Mm -hmm. for future employees right and that's great that there's new young and fresh people starting businesses and just being the boss that they need to be the leader that they need to be and the company that they need to be for better productivity from their workers right
1: yeah because i mean research now shows right that you can't you can't have a worker that's working all these hours because it is more likely more likely to lead to burnout, mm-hmm. depression and you're more likely to lose the workers' productivity in the long run. Yeah. So if right now I think a lot of CEOs, not only in North America, in South Asia too and worldwide, mm-hmm. are taking a holistic approach. Yeah. Whereas leaders they're realizing that they want to emphasize the importance of mental health, physical health to their workers and employees so they're able to get the best out of the worker. So yeah. you know workers are not treated like machines. Or like, you know, I don't know, like forced labor stuff. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: You treat them like humans.
0: Yeah. And on the other hand, from just from talking to so many people and seeing the innovation in Asia right now, mm-hmm. a lot of people say that the systems, the very systematic way that we work in North America, the 9 to 5, this, that, it kind of... It doesn't create as much creativity. So I know mm-hmm. a lot of people in a- people say that in Asia, there's so much innovation. There's so much happening. And you can do so much. You can mm-hmm. start your own business better, quicker. You can really, really u- tap into your brain and create. Mm-hmm. And that kind of can be killed from the 9 to 5 yeah. project life that we have here. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's always trade-offs. Yeah. But that's just the culture in each yes. place. Mm-hmm.
1: And, yeah. So that was, I think, that was... How we would observe differences between North America versus South Asian based on our experiences um, with respect to employment. Now, let's move to family. Yes. Now, um, I think what we noticed, especially when we looked at our classmates in in our undergrad, um, was that more people who were from like Canadians, yes. um, they were more likely to move out of you know, their parents home mm-hmm. when they start university and, you know, move into their own place. And that was something that sure, technically we moved to. Yeah. But we moved across countries for to pursue a uh, better university experience. And I think that's where we found a bit of a difference because technically all our friends back home who were studying, even including my younger sister, yeah. she's in university and she's with my parents she's staying with my parents yeah Mm
0: -hmm. and I think
1: in South Asian culture that's more common where parents offer this voluntarily and it's kind of just how it is that you know neither does the child nor do the the parents expect that the children will move out until they are able to stand on their own feet.
0: Yes, until they have a fully stable job or unfortunately sometimes until they're married off or, yeah. or, or, mar- or not married off, but married to whoever they want yeah. to. Yeah, in general. But yeah, that's actually something that I always think about because when I did live in New York and, I, and if I had stayed there and if my family was still there, I would probably be living at home and going to, say, university close by because mm-hmm. even though I was in North America, my inherent culture was South Asian, right? Mm-hmm. So we would kind of follow that uh, path. I would be staying at home but going to college close by. Yeah, coming to Canada from Bangladesh was like such a big difference. Yeah. We didn't just leave our parents and go move to another city. We moved across an ocean, right? Yeah. So it was quite hard. But, you know, I, I do think that you do need to move out from your parents' house at a younger age. It really gives you that ability to be individual. Yeah, and be an individual, make your own decisions. Like, Because when you grow up, you learn from your family you learn your principles and what's right and wrong from your family, from your teachers, from the, your community, right? Mm-hmm. But when you're when you're out of that, when you're when you leave that to another group, another city, to other people around you, to other adults, you really get to develop your own ideals, mm-hmm. right? So I think I think I do like that part about um, North American culture, but at the same time, that comfort of living at home, that food, that that knowing that someone's taking care of you, just to have your family, yeah, support just to have you. your family support, and just knowing that you don't have to worry about like. Just someone's always gonna put you first, hundred yeah. percent, and just knowing that you can focus on school, yeah, and nothing else. So I do. That's an awesome and such a wonderful part of yeah. our culture. Yeah, just knowing that someone is just wholeheartedly behind you. Yeah.
1: yeah. So I think that you know, well, you know, a lot of listeners who are from you know who can relate to South Asian culture, they might just be like, no, like you know, people in South Asia are actually independent. I mean, true, that is true to some extent because, you know, I feel like. Back in, say, in Maladesh, you know, it, it's a different lifestyle, right? Like, a lot of people have to take buses, and buses are not as... I don't know the word, but as <laughs> uh, as modern Excessible or...
0: Accessible. Or, or yeah, yeah
1: it's, it's more... Like, you have to stand in long lines.
0: Yeah, long buses. lines, always yeah. the safest. Yeah,
1: and so those things. It's, it's a harder culture there, for sure. It's a harder lifestyle, mm-hmm. and a lot of young people who go to school there do build that independence where, you know, truly survival of the fittest and they know how to be resilient. But when you move out, the things that you learn is about how you take care of your own place or like grocery shopping or paying your own bills or taking care of your own place and how to manage Mm -hmm. or balance your life with school slash work and home. Mm -hmm. And you learn that from a really young age. And I feel like it's, it's kind of like I've seen people who've done it really well, and uh, I've seen people who have struggled a lot. Like you know, they have told me that they'd be they would have been happier had they actually spent first few or uh, undergrad back home. And I would say that I'm kind of in the middle. I don't think I'm great mm-hmm. at managing life at home, yeah. but I've not been that. You know, I've not been the worst either. Yeah. And which is why I think in South Asia a lot of people might do their undergrad back home but you know they go for masters abroad to get that exact experience that Zara was outlining yeah. but you know as, as I said that in North America because it's expected that you move out yeah it's
0: almost an experience that you have to experience throughout your life timeline yeah, yeah. like yeah. at 18 it's like something you look forward to I'm gonna move out even yeah. if say you're only an hour drive away you still move out and you go live in the dorm yeah right so it's kind of an experience to experience and right? that's
1: and the, what's really nice and this is the part I think you know parents in South Asia I kind of wish they would be is you know here, when you move out, the parents, they help you find a place. Mm-hmm. And then they help you set up.
0: Yeah, it's just like guidance. Yeah,
1: exactly, you know. And it's great if you have your parents within, like, you know, um, a quick drive or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think because in South Asia, it's, our culture is not as expected, it's kind of hard for parents to then be like, oh, you want to move out? Like It's hard for them to, like, adjust to that idea, yeah. I think. Yeah,
0: I would love it if my parents were just, say... Two hour drive away or three oh, hour be great. three hour drive away. Like or even just, you know, ten minute drive away, but it would be great because just I just miss having them like just running over when I need to. Yeah.
1: Or yeah, It's so nice. Sometimes you know, you have a long ass week at work. Yeah. And you just want in the weekend to just be with your family. Yeah. Right? And, and Vancouver's really go.
0: far from Bangladesh. Oh
1: my god, guys. the
0: flights are un- unnecessarily, okay, they're necessary, but they're very long. And it takes annoying. you at yeah. least
1: 30 hours almost to get yeah. there.
0: But you know, I think that says a lot about South Asian parents. They they kind of grow up with this idea that their main goal in life or their main duty in life is to their children, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, they will sacrifice anything for you. Mm-hmm. They will give up anything for you. And I know all parents, all mothers, all fathers, all, all parents in general, they will give up anything for their child. But it's like, for South Asian parents, it sustains until probably the day they die. You know, they they literally, <laughs> yeah. even when you're 50 years old, their main goal in life is I have to make sure my child gets what I wasn't able to get. Or like, I have to make sure my child isn't hurt. I have to make sure they can achieve what they want to achieve. And in any way they can, they'll support you. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And it's like, and they don't, and while they support you, they also don't want to let go of you. Mm-hmm. And it's that's un-
1: the that's, hard that's that yeah. part, right? Whereas I kind of appreciate how in North American culture, because they, they want you to learn to be independent from such a young age. They also want you to be able to figure out, like, for example, how you're going to pay for university yeah. and how you're going to, um, you know, get your job. I mean, I've seen parents here, honestly, they support in the sense of helping move in and, you know, helping start up sort of. But at the end of the day, they're there to just, you know, be on the side and be like, I'm yeah. here if you need anything. But you're kind of on your own. Yeah, and it's, that's very exciting. Yeah. And nerve-wracking at the same time. Yeah, like,
0: inside they must be like, I wish my child didn't leave me, but they're just like, they know it in their hearts that they have to let their child yeah. go and learn and grow.
1: But yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: They, they, they're they able to let them go, right? Yeah. Because they're kind of, like, trained from a certain culture that they've grown up in that this is what is required. Yeah. Whereas our parents are like, there's really no need for you to move so far away. You could just <laughs> yeah. stay with me. Yeah. Why do you need to go? Unless... Because it's not something that's yeah. part of their culture. And, like, I know for lots of people it is, but majority,
1: it's yeah. not. But unless, I mean, you know, this is where I'll credit that I think a lot of South Asian parents are brave enough to send their kids, like us, really far away. Yeah. And with with time differences that are sometimes 14, 15, 16 hours. Yeah. And,
0: Especially very pampered kids. Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. And, you know, you don't get to see your kids, like, uh, I see my parents every 12 months once. So every yeah. year I see them once, essentially. More, yeah. mm-hmm. And uh, if you think about it, like, I think, you know, our parents want to at least talk to us every day. And if not every day, then every few days, two, three yeah. days, like, you know, and even though that's sometimes like, oh my God, but at the same time, if I think about, if I was in their shoes and mm-hmm. because just it's just, as you said, it's just how it is in our culture, right? Because their life, they put, their life kind of revolves around us. And this is yeah. regardless of whether your parents in South Asia are working or not working. Yeah. They will still put their children at the center yes. of their life. Mm-hmm. And because of that, you know, because of how our culture is,
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's hard for me to even imagine that when my kids grow up. I'm sure. I mean, I think when my kids grow up, I would like to for them to you know, like I would like for them to be a bit more like yeah. independent, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I would want to you know be like, are you okay? Yeah. And are you doing? Okay? Want to re-
0: retain a similar bond that yeah. you have with your for, mother, yeah, yeah, or your father, yeah. But um, yeah, it's like their happiness is contingent on ours. Yeah. And that's where that's where it's like in one way it's great. But it, it's almost like you know. I wish my mom. She's a working woman. She has a lot. She has a lot to do. She's really busy. It's hard for me to even get time to talk to talk to her. But same time, it's like I know, one of her biggest like sadnesses right now is that I'm not there with her. You know. Yeah. So it's like, it's it's unfortunate. I wish that she had other outlets of happiness or other hobbies that she that she was like, This gives that I get my happiness not just from this one thing, but from this many different things. Cause I remember in university, uh, when my when we were about to graduate, one of my friends and his brother also graduated. So both of them were graduating, done, and their parents just like Went on a cruise and left and they were like, Yes, finally they don't have to worry about anything. They don't have to worry about taking care of the kids. They're both in university or they're both graduated. They're both moved on with their lives. Yeah. And like they're just like, Now we're gonna go travel here, now we're gonna do this, now we're gonna do that. And it was like they were finally being able to realize or mm-hmm. all these dreams and go fulfill all these desires that they've had because mm-hmm. they fulfill their duty. And they will continue to fulfill their duty. Yeah. But now they can take some time back for themselves. And I wish my mother had felt <laughs> that she could do that yeah. herself too. I want her to do that. Yeah, I don't want you're... her to sit there and worry about me constantly. Yeah. Although I appreciate that she does. But yeah. I don't want her to, right? I want yeah. her to enjoy her life. And sometimes I'm just like, Mom, go do this. And she's like, no, but I don't want to do this. <laughs> yeah. Or she just want to talk to me. then she'll just go to work. And it's like, no. Yeah. I want them to have a life outside of their kids, yeah. you know? Everybody should.
1: And that's, I guess that's the that's the beauty of being able to experience two different cultures, honestly, that you not only observe these differences and you learn from them because honestly, we're able to learn the best bits about uh, the two cultures that we've had the privilege of being exposed to and two um, very rich and diverse cultures, essentially. And because of that, we learn from it, right? And that's why whenever, Mm -hmm. whenever we're parents, whenever that will be, we can, you know, we'd be able to feel like imbibe in them a mixture of both yeah of what we've been taught by our parents and what we learned as adults yeah right
0: Mm -hmm. but do you get that guilt though
1: of what guilt
0: of being far away from your parents not being you know right, right now we're in positions where we both work yeah we both make a good amount of money and we could be helping our parents more or we could be not just financially but we could be helping them Like, with life. Yeah. Helping them deal with the problems they have. Helping them deal with everyday chores at home. Helping them just pick up something from the doctor. Yeah. Right? Like, I I get so much guilt that I'm not able to do some of the basic things. Yeah. And there's times when my sister will call me and she'll be like, oh, yeah, this happened like two weeks ago. And I'll be like, what? Why wasn't I told? Right, But I'm so far away and that immediate everyday contact or every half an hour contact isn't there that sometimes I miss out on so much. Yeah. Not because of any fault of theirs or not any fault of mine, but just for the life that we've chosen. Yeah. For each other, so yeah, yeah. no,
1: I de- I definitely do feel the g- guilt. Um, I I remember I used to feel feel it from undergrad sort of because I remember yeah. my older sister went off to study in Australia, so I'm you know I was home then because I was in high school, and you know we wouldn't tell her a lot of things. I would go at home and stuff, and but she, she and we wouldn't tell her because we didn't want her to be bothered because she was so far away right yeah. and so when I came here and even now I'm working I, I feel like I wish I could be there right like yeah. you said just be there for them it could be something as simple as you as know a hug yeah yeah, yeah or mom's had a long day and you know it's,
0: she just, realizes <laughs> her she,
1: yeah, or she just realizes that, oh my god, I need this one thing to be picked up. And you wish you could do it. Yeah. So she doesn't have to, you know, drag herself after a long day to get it, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. I feel so bad when I see some of my friends, like, getting medicines for their parents. Like, my mm-hmm. Canadian friends, like, getting medicine for their parents. and being like, oh, I have to pick up, pick this up for my mom. And I'm just like, what am I doing? Like, like I can't do anything for her, right, yeah. at this point. And even if I could send money, that doesn't feel the same as the same. being able to just physically be there physically and mentally be there for someone and
1: know. is you know but as weeks is we just kind of like elaborated on how South Asian parents really put children at the center of yeah. their universe
0: they give us everything
1: and yeah so much of their time and effort and love and Sacrifices, a lot honestly yeah, yeah they sacrifice so much for us so even when they send us abroad you know a lot of time they're paying out of their own pocket and it's a lot of money for international students
0: by mm-hmm. the way yeah so <laughs> um
1: they yes. do pay a lot of money because you know unlike Unlike say for example in uh, ca- in Canada Canadian citizens or they can take loans government yeah. is, you know gives you grants or bursaries to pursue a higher education we don't have that option really no. in South Asia so if our parents are making decisions or if to send do, it's abroad, limited yeah, yeah it's very limited mm-hmm. so if our parents are making a decision to send you abroad I mean and yeah. You can get a scholarship, but a lot of times parents are paying out of their own pockets. Yeah, and it's a lot of a large amount of money, honestly. Or
0: selling something or putting up something for.
1: Sometimes they even go in debt. Yeah, to send their kids abroad. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: I have many family members who have. Yeah. yeah.
1: And when you think about that, that you know they made that decision. Whereas with that, I don't know, hundred and fifty k, they could have honestly gone on a world tour. Yeah. Right? Or bought a mansion somewhere. <laughs> or bought a yacht. Yeah, right? why not? <laughs> and but they actually put us first. So that they sacrificed yeah. all of that. So when you think about how much how how, how parenting was mm-hmm. is done in South Asian culture. Yeah. And how much effort and time and love. And then you we, we can't be there for them. Yeah, like. exactly. That just makes you feel terrible, yeah. honestly. And you
0: know what? This, like, whichever culture you're in, parents love their kids and they're going to do whatever. Yeah. It's just that, like you said, they put us at the center of their world, yeah. these South Asian parents. Yeah. Go do something for yourself, parents. <laughs> but
1: yeah, at the end of the day, I think, you know, from the two cultures, parenting is just... It's just parenting can be done in different yeah. ways. and families
0: they, are different. Yeah, but at the yeah. end
1: of the day, it doesn't mean that you love anyone any less for how mm-hmm. different your parenting is, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. so another thing family likes to interfere in in South Asia, or likes to be a huge part of, (laughs) is your weddings. (laughs) Woohoo! Yeah, and so that's our third cultural difference that we're going to be talking about. It's going to be weddings. So before we, you know, give you the different aspects that we're going to talk about, just wanted everyone to know how big the wedding industry is in South Asia. In India, in particular, the wedding industry is valued... At a whopping $50 billion. That's
1: a billion with a B.
0: Yes. And now you understand why Priyanka Chopra's wedding was extravagant <laughs> to a different level. You know, yeah, people so, criticize that wedding.
1: Yeah. And I think so if India's $50 billion, if you add like Bangladesh and Pakistan and in Sri Lanka, I mean, that's at least a couple of billions more for sure. Oh, yes. so, South Asia makes up... And All it gets
0: bigger every year. Yeah,
1: exactly. A lot, like billions of dollars essentially, yeah, right? We so love it's a our big weddings. Industry, so we we love our
0: marriages. We love our weddings.
1: We do. <laughs> we do. We do. We yeah.
0: really do. And, you know, South Asian weddings, I think everybody kind of knows Indian weddings are known for their like multi-day weddings and their extravagance and their yeah. color and the dance and the song and the gold. And in general, the extravagance, you know, as opposed to say Western culture where the weddings can be much... They're much smaller. I, I know that so many people, so many of my friends have been like 150 guest list. Is, yeah. I can't even imagine that. right? They can't even...
1: Everywhere is <laughs> that's, that's just close family. Yeah, in our <laughs> events, it's like, oh, like 150, what? Like yeah. It's like 200, 300 at least. Mm-hmm. And that's close family, by the way. Yeah,
0: exactly. So I guess Western weddings or North American weddings are more intimate. Yeah. They... They're more about kind of a simplicity, I think, minimalism, just from the outfit to the makeup to...
1: Minimalistic. Yeah, yeah that's a good to,
0: And then the decor is also very... From the trend that I see now is very natural yeah. and, this, and less opulence. Yeah. Yeah, in a way. And if you think back to just Priyanka Chopra's wedding recently, th- that cultural divide, because she's right now in the middle of, say, North American and Indian culture... And when she got married, like, Indian people were loving it. And then a lot of Americans were loving it too. But then there was the people who just didn't understand this culture. Not because they maybe were hating on it, but they just didn't understand that this is part of our culture. Having multiple ceremonies, having song, dance. And a lot of people called her out for being, for oversharing or for, you know, being a scam artist and getting Nick Jonas into all this. And that's unfortunate. That's all, like, trolling. That's not really the point of this. But that's just an example of that cultural difference and how cultural differences can make people misunderstand each other but it's just that's just the difference right yeah
1: and i think when we have in south asian culture in our cultures when we have multi multiple days wedding right we've got multiple events right it's honestly it's it's, it's a wedding week and in our culture a marriage is treated as not only between two individuals but between two families yes and that's why it's it's a huge celebration celebration. and even though, like, sometimes, you know, weddings, on because it's, some of, some weddings are extremely big and extremely extravagant. Yeah. Um, and sometimes, honestly, now society's, like, the standard's, like, oh my god, you have to make a big wedding. Um. Some people go in debt to, yeah. you know, marry off their daughters or sons in a... Big way, and you know, at the end of the day, there's a spectrum, of course. I mean, yeah. not everyone is like super, super extravagant, but it's still relatively more, even the lower end of the spectrum in South mm-hmm. Asia. I think it's just more extravagant than what have yeah. seen on average in North America. And I think the even though our celebrations are so huge, and sometimes guest lists can be like a thousand people in yeah. a wedding, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's because it's just that big of a celebration where yeah. you know, because that's it's that one time where you'll probably see. Your third cousin's (laughs) daughter's husband's Mm -hmm.
0: cousin's daughter. I don't even know. And truth be told, you invite your neighbors that you might not even talk to. Like I remember during my sister's wedding, we just went from floor to floor and gave invitations to everybody in the building because it was an obligation. And not just an obligation, but we consider everybody in the building to be part of our community, to be someone who has kind of been in our everyday lives right so i think that's kind of where the north american and the south asian culture also you see the difference there's kind of like a me versus we culture like in north america they really value this individual and that the individual is going to say the individual is kind of the priority for them Mm -hmm. they're already helping themselves grow Mm -hmm. so their main concern is maybe just their close family and close friends but for us it's like our neighbors our colleagues our staff our say even our hairdressers to our um like friends' friends, yeah. to our third cousins, whatnot, our extended families. Those are really important to us. Those are imp- and we consider them part of our community. Yeah. So we are going to invite them as a bare minimum. And then there's the other obligations, yeah. right?
1: And yeah. I think I think Sarp mentioned a good point here. The me versus we, the individual versus collective. Yeah. It even actually ties into the previous points about like family and job we discussed about. Yeah. Because I think in... Even the guilt we're feeling, right? We mentioned with respect to our family and not being able to there. I think... Our culture just said that mm-hmm. your culture has a more we collective approach yeah. where you like wedding is an example of how you include a lot more people. Yeah. And even when you're thinking about your family, you don't only, you usually don't only think about your own brothers and sisters and parents, no. you also think about your first cousins and your parents' siblings and your mom's or your dad's mom's siblings, or your right? dad's
0: cousins, or your mom's cousins, yeah. and their those kids, those are
1: families too. Yeah. And even when you're looking about when you're thinking about, I feel like. When we are even thinking about our career, we also factor in family. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I, when I in the long term, I think about my career, I always think about like family in the sense that, you know, um, my family is so scattered across the globe, like Australia, Canada, and Bangladesh. And I'm just like, oh, like, where would I end up in like 20 years from, from now? Because yeah. I want to be closer to them, mm-hmm. you know? So I think it's common that me versus we, the, yeah. in that collective nature in South Asian culture, yeah. whereas in contrary to in North American. Culture. I think that it's more individualistic and this is not to say that, you know, the family bonds are there, family ties are there. But, yeah. it's, you know, even in the example of how, you know, at 18, when you're off to university, you're expected to move out and become independent, right? Yeah. And, you know, parents... Are there to support you but they also have a separate life yeah. so that just goes to show that it's, it's a bit more individualistic I think yeah.
0: and yeah the family ties are still there between in the West and North American culture you know your parents take you to your first day they they talk to you about your first boyfriend they yeah. talk to us, and that openness is really admirable you know yeah. in the North American culture but yeah so yeah we are a, we we are a we society in South yeah. Asia you know yeah. we love our people so we invite them all to our wedding <laughs> so that adds to the opulence yeah. and the other stuff that adds to the opulence the gold that we wear it's a huge like show of show of maybe your wealth and then there's um the photography the event management the makeup I mean I'm not the ki- outfits
1: I'm not kidding to you guys like event management photography makeup artists it's there's a reason why it's this you know a wedding industry in South Asia is like billions of dollars yeah. and it's because all of these things that I just mentioned they're so expensive mm-hmm. you know they true photographers makeup artists like they're great for sure the art is great that they do but they truly, really charge a lot. Oh yeah, and you know, true that makes just weddings so expensive. And it's like you have to have a really nice photographer. You have to have a great makeup artist. Yeah, if, if you have anything less, you kind of feel it's a bridal shit. Like mm-hmm. you know, should I have something more? But you know, like I just personally feel like you know, as. Much as if extravagant weddings are beautiful to look at,
0: yeah. Um,
1: <laughs> if I I'm I if I don't feel extravagant like that in my life, or I don't lead my life on a daily basis as extravagantly as that, yeah. then um, I just like I don't want it to be so extravagant that. I'll just, I, I don't know. Like yeah, that you
0: don't even see your groom on your wedding day, right? <laughs> you see them for five minutes and then you go into your pictures and your coordination and whatnot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, yeah same. I don't think I would want a grand wedding. Yeah. I definitely still want all the color. I want all the dancing. Yeah, definitely, yes. I still want all the yummy food and yeah. I still want to invite my extended family. But I do, I do not want to invite a thousand people. Like your third that I don't cousin's, know. Third yeah, cousins no. daughter's with uh, oh, well, let's neighbor. stop at third cousin's. Yeah. That's a good place yeah. to stop. Yeah. yeah. For so I think that, invites.
1: That's where I think something yeah. that, you know, I see in North American culture, the weddings are more intimate. Yeah. And, um... Even though like our definition of intimate is really much bigger. Mm-hmm. It's a bigger circle. Yeah. Um,
0: like that's something that I would like, you know, yeah. kind of, would I would see a march. Yeah. And I like seeing the actual ceremony, the actual wedding ceremony. Because nowadays, unless you're extremely close to the family, you don't actually get to see the wedding The wedding ceremonies no. in Bangladesh anymore. No. And this is a new thing. Like back, back in the days, you did, like your close families saw you get married, like yeah. the prayers were read and whatnot. But nowadays, because it's become so much about extravagance, it's like you go there to eat to take photos, look good, mm-hmm. dance around, but like the actual wedding ceremony, not everybody gets to see it. It's mm-hmm. kind of like more with the close knit family. Yeah. So I wish I could see more of those because Oh yeah. For I example. think it's beautiful. Like if the point of this is to be the merging of two families or the merging of two people, right? Yeah. I say families because of the South Asian culture, right? So that's what I want to see.
1: Yeah, I know. And I, I also
0: want to dance and sing yeah. and whatnot. <laughs> but like <laughs> I want to see that too.
1: Yeah yeah, yeah. So I if, don't
0: care what like we, we have we wear these things called lengas or saris and like the most famous person to um to get these made by is sabyasachi I don't know if any of you have heard of him but yeah you should like you I don't I don't need to search. I don't care if you're wearing a Sabyasachi sari or lenga. yeah but if you look you, if you look great you're glowing it's great I, I'm happy for you I I agree I agree mm-hmm. and but you know it's it's just
1: sometimes it's too opulent for my taste like yeah. it's too opulent, regal. Uh, regal, Yeah, <laughs> or like it's extremely opulent because I just think that you know, if do you live life that extravagantly? I mean, yeah, but then one can argue that you know, oh, but you know, I only get married once in my life, yeah. and because technically in South Asian cultures, divorce. You're not right supposed less. to be getting married yeah, more and than Yeah, your, your divorce life. rates are much less than in North yeah. America generally. So that's another difference uh, between yeah. the two cultures. Exactly. divorce. Yeah.
0: Divorce is definitely not destigmatized yet in South Asian culture. So many family members that I know who have probably wanted to have divorces but didn't. Yeah. Yeah. It's unfortunate. And I don't know. It's also probably not the most open in North America yet. But it's definitely become much more widely accepted here.
1: Yeah, like you can really you can divorce and, you know, it's, that's why like compared to South Asia, North America's divorce rates are higher mm-hmm. because I think people, um, but I think I was reading some article that was saying that in millennials, actually, their divorce rates are lower than the baby boomer generation. Yeah. The reason being that millennials are highly educated, so they look for an equivalent or higher educated partner mm-hmm. and in doing so, that means that you're marrying at a later age and when you do marrying at a later age, you look for, you You are more sure of what you want in your partner. Yeah. So you have a certain criteria. Yeah. And because that's relatively more certainty is there. And because you have more educational, societal stability in your life, um, you're more likely to find a partner and more likely to stay in that marriage. Whereas opposed to, I think, baby boomer generation, mm-hmm. divorce rates were higher because okay. they would not necessarily the education or setting all of those factors would not yeah. be applicable essentially
0: or maybe they even felt like they had to be married at a certain age so maybe yeah. they rushed into a wedding yeah. or a marriage that they didn't want to yeah or that they weren't prepared for like you said like maturity and whatnot yeah so yeah that's also a thing the difference in south asian cultures for weddings like the age at which people expect you to be married mm-hmm. right like yeah it's definitely i know it's it's a it's a well-known thing that Men like thirty year old men want to marry twenty two year old girls in it's Bangladesh. A thing. It's, it's a, a thing. thing
1: that, you know, the thirty year old man mm-hmm. and not just is this is a very common thing in South Asian culture and it's extremely misogynistic, but a thirty year old man or a thirty five year old man will not want to marry a woman of the same age. Yeah. And it's like a woman turns like thirty or something and they're just like, Oh, yeah. you're too old for marriage mm-hmm. and she could be highly educated or highly ambitious, very successful, a high earning individual, Mm -hmm. but none of
0: that really matters because of the age and or even if they're not earning, they could probably run the household if they were gonna be a home housekeeper. Like not housekeeper. Like a homemaker if they are going to be a homemaker, then they could probably run a tighter ship in the house because they have the maturity to understand that. Yeah, exactly.
1: No. So I think that, that age stigma is that does not at all exist in North America and props to this you know this continent for being so progressive, yeah. Um, but it's a sad thing in that you know as a South Asian woman, uh, we still have in our culture this this age stigma, and no matter how educated, and how mm. how smart and brilliant, and uh, forget education really. As you said, you know you could be mature and you could be just brilliant or smart mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter all of those quality of yours is literally trivialized and your self-worth is determined by your age mm-hmm. yeah. and how uh, compatible or, or whether you can find a potential suitor mm-hmm. which kind of sucks honestly yeah. fun
0: fact I have a bit of a baby face so my family members think that I'm <laughs> 22 or 21 and whatnot. so they I think they recently figured out my age but for a long <laughs> time they thought that I was really young so they didn't bug me about getting married but they're, oh, they're coming. The calls you. are coming. <laughs> People want me to get married because they figured out how old I am. And my age is not I'm,
1: too old, FYI. I don't
0: think I'm too old. I, I also round up my age all the time. So I love being old. So it's great. Oh my
1: God. But yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's sad that, you know, in, in our culture, that age stigma exists. Mm-hmm. And then when you get married... That, the pressure to have extravagant weddings yeah. and then divorce divorce is yeah. so highly stigmatized I mean people would rather uh, it, the, as I said change is coming but it's seeping in so slowly mm-hmm. because now it's like sure divorce is kind of okay but not really because at the end of the day some people will opt staying in unhappy marriages yeah. and not get a divorce because of this because this kind of sucks but and this is something that I really wish I could change about my own culture, that, you know, how badly a woman gets treated when she's divorced, yeah. it's like, the society kind of, like, ostracizes her. Yeah.
0: And then nobody, and many people don't want to marry a divorced woman because they think her their virginity is gone, right? That's oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: So it's, and it's terrible. It's yeah. terrible. It's sad that, and the and this is also very um sad that, you know, the man will get less heat than the woman. The divorced yeah. man will get less heat than the divorced man, woman. And that's, that's ridiculous. So it, that yeah. stigma is still there. I think in North America, it's still there. Yeah, I mean, let's sure. be real. In North America, we still, there are still towns and in rural communities where virginity is really valued. Yeah. I remember, I think I was watching this documentary in the U.S. where some town in the Midwest does a virginity ball. Oh my God. Where, fa- where fathers kind of like take their daughters and then do dances and it's just to show that my daughter's a virgin. Ugh. It's like 19 years old whatever you know? Yeah. And so the, it's not that, you know, at the end of the day, it's not to say no culture is really perfect with respect to, sti- yeah. you know, destigmatizing women yeah. um, when when it comes to age or virginity or divorce. Um, but I think more progress has been made in North yeah. America than in South Asia. Yeah, and
0: in South Asia, I think we care too much about everybody else's what opinion. What people will say. Yeah, we care too much about everybody else's opinion. So, like, m- people can have thoughts in their heads about, oh my God, she's divorced. Oh my God, she's too old to get married. Or, oh my God, blah, blah, blah. But many people won't voice it because it's kind of accepted socially that some things are not meant to be said out loud. Some things are not... Some things are hurtful to others. So even if you might think it in your head, you don't necessarily say it. But back home, people are going to come at you, like, come... Yeah. At, they're really going to come at you and just, like, say things to you that can be offensive. And then it affects you because say, you want to get married again, your partner's family doesn't accept you because you're a divorcee. Like, yeah. yeah.
1: And I think if you guys go back to our episode, like I think just two episodes ago, we did an episode, it's called Brown Anti Logic versus (laughs) Us. Um, Zara and I, because as we said, we have lived in two different cultures and we're kind of living in a different culture than we were raised in. Um, we have imbibed some of these thoughts in the sense that, you know, we kind of call out on these things, on these um, age stigma and things when we go back, right? Yeah. And we then get called like, oh no, you've kind of changed. And,
0: yeah, or too argumentative.
1: That's where I guess, you know, I sometimes, and this is just an example, but in general, I guess, having lived through in different two different cultures, you become a product of the two, right? Because yeah. you learn from both. And yeah. both cultures make up who you are and there's not it's not a competition it's not one culture versus the other yeah. and both cultures are great and diverse and they teach you things mm-hmm. and you have to be honest when you know you, you should be able to call out something in, in and in one of part in a culture that's a part of you yeah which you think could be better
0: yeah at the same time understanding the cultural differences can really help you understand it person better yeah in the sense like something that might seem odd to you the way someone's behaving or the way someone's reacting to something it might seem odd to you and you might feel the need to be like oh my god that person is wrong or that person is not understanding or that person i don't want to associate with but when you understand the different cultural differences between people you can accept that person for who they are based on how they grew up obviously if something's something horrible is being done you call them out and whatnot but Sometimes behaviors are just different. You yeah, know, like the way you react to things, like or or even understanding like, cultural differences. For example,
1: help. like you know when you get when, for example, when you get calls from your parents. Like my mother would ideally want to talk to me every day, but <laughs> I am not a very I am not a very phone person in general. I don't like talking on the phone, but I talk to her every two three days, and it's not something maybe you know kids who've been raised in the North American culture can relate to because they could be like you know why. Are you getting so many calls? Yeah. And my mother will literally call me five times in 10 minutes. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh my God. <laughs> but it's because she's concerned. Yes. And as we explained earlier in the episode, that South Asian culture, in, our, in South Asian culture, parents really make children the center of the universe. Yeah. And because of the culture and how our upbringing was, yeah. we have to talk to our parents, if not every day, every few days. Yeah, right? Exactly. Like a couple of, few times a week at least. And we do that because of. How they've raised us yeah. and what they've done for us, yeah. and if I feel like you know, instead of judging that, you know, oh my god, it's so weird, your parents are calling. If the this this difference, if you understand, it helps you understand their culture better. Yeah. Like
0: yeah, in a way that like uh, same thing happened to me when I first moved here. Um, because you know when I lived in New York, it was a very immigrant, it was a very immigrant community, so I was always. I was always exposed to many different Asian cultures as well as Hispanic cultures. So in some ways, we were similar. But when I moved to Canada, I remember when we used to go to restaurants, my Canadian friends and I, we would always, even say we went to an Indian restaurant, we would always get our own dish. So a whole butter chicken to yourself is what everybody would order. (laughs) But that's not what we're used to in our culture when we go out to eat. Everybody orders something, but we put it all in the middle and we all share it. So, you know, initially a thought came to me like, oh, that culture, they're being like they're all about themselves, they're kind of selfish, they stick to themselves, but it's not that at all. Like, if you ask them, they're going to share your their food. Yeah. It's just the cultural difference that we grew up in, yeah. right? And as you said, you and I are a mix of both the cultures, so we understand each other, all the different cultures, and we learn, yeah. and we love our culture, and we love the culture that we've come into, and you know, as I said, I'm a mix of the cultures, that's why I love coffee and chai, and yeah. they're both in my routine. Yeah. So then, I'm all for loving different cultures. Yeah,
1: <laughs> and there is Strength in diversity and their strength in differences. And the more we understand that, the more it'll be to kind of like bridge those differences, right? Yeah. And not think of them as like two parallel lines that are so different that it can't be comprehended. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what we're trying to get to with our episode today that, yeah. you know, identify differences having been in two different cultures. And, you know, at the end of the day, I would not trade my experience for something else. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm glad that, you know, I came to Canada and I had a completely different experience than the one that I was raised in. And now I can understand a lot of things back home better and call out better. And similarly here as well, like I can be like, oh, I, you know, I can call things out or be like, oh, I kind of just, this doesn't make sense in me. But at the end of the day, I'm a product of both. And I'm, I'm glad I am because I feel like it has, made, it has enriched me as a person. Yep.
0: But yeah. Yeah, and that's what we're trying to do with this podcast, right? Yeah. We're dissect the them versus us. You know, every week we try to find a new topic that we're a different political stance or a different social stance or even just two different cultures. Yeah. Or so we just try to see the different sides of things. One side may be extremely wrong, one side may just be a different opinion. And ten episodes in, we're so happy. This is the last episode of the season. Woohoo! Yeah, and we're gonna see you guys again in January 2020. Till then, don't forget us. Catch up on all of our episodes. And,
1: and uh, keep following us on Instagram. We'll be posting regularly and you'll see what Zara and I are up to.
0: Yeah, we're both going to Bangladesh for the winter break. So yeah. stay you'll, tuned. We will probably get to
1: see some nice, beautiful street food and some really nice stuff in our country. So yeah, keep following us. All right. Happy holidays, everyone. Yeah. Merry Christmas. Yeah. Happy, Happy New Year. And all of it,
0: guys. Yeah, <laughs> See ya. <laughs>